Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. We got a fun podcast in store for you guys today. Today was the UFC. We had uh, Cyril Gon taking on Tai Tuivasa and the main event of the UFC in Paris. And then the co main event was Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori, which was uh, uh, on paper a pretty good fight. And also, we had in bare knuckle fighting a woman flash the audience after she won her fight. Celebrating victory in the right way, I feel. Me too. I wonder, will she be punished or rewarded? Rewarded. She should, <laughs> she should be rewarded. <laughs> she should definitely be rewarded. I don't know, man. What, is, what do you think? Like, a woman wins a fight in a room full of dudes, bare knuckle boxing, drop this, this Thai girl, and then goes and then she pulls out her tits. Tell you what I think. What's the? She's a fan favorite, move? definite fan favorite now. What's the move if you're bare knuckle when that happens? How do you? What, what do you do as a company? I mean, I give every girl that does that a bonus. <laughs> you misogynistic piece of shit! You can't do that. What if a dude won and just went up there and ripped his dick out? Also a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think you have your new uh, MMA promotion <laughs> yeah. idea. So uh, if you want to come every to victory, yeah. you must pull out your genitalia. It's in the contract. Yeah, ticks and dits MMA starting next month. So keep an eye out. <laughs> so uh, you know, if you guys want to see that, it's out there on the internet. You guys can find it. She, yeah, we, uh, she we, knew what we she can't was doing, show by it, the way. <laughs> Let's just say that she was uh, enhanced, and she was more than willing to show off her enhancements. Yes, and as a man with a brain. And a dick and testosterone. <laughs> I approve of it. I'm just gonna <laughs> be real. Brilliant. I approve it. I don't know if children should watch it, but it's bare knuckle. Bare knuckle's like bare knuckle's pretty edgy. Yeah, it's like the the new bad boy of combat, combat sports. Sport. Yeah, yeah, it totally is, right? Yeah. Like they'll bring anybody in. They pay pretty well, which is why it was actually interesting that I think that show was in Thailand. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Uh, Blockout was the main event. He beat up someone fortunate soul could you imagine fighting black how bare knuckle <clears throat> not really this guy think... kicks trees in half right he was a k1 max champion i think three times yeah he beat everybody man in like the late 2000s when he was crushing k1 max that's when like john wayne parr was in k1 max masato was in k1 max uh they had because it, it's like exactly that perfect weight right i think it's 145 pounds which is just but nice for a kickboxing yeah, tournament, like, right? Fast enough to be exciting, but strong enough to knock each other out. Oh, they were super exciting. They were super exciting matches. And Bokal won that many, many years in a row. And then became like the most famous tie. He yeah. became like the most famous tie after that. And then, um, and then, yeah, so he's fighting bare knuckle now, you know, getting paid, beating up poor white dudes. I don't know if he was white. I can't remember. <laughs> I just, I'm assuming he the, was. The tie's like that. So yeah, he probably was. Yeah, usually the tie's go on the Falong tour when they're in their like late 30s and yep. like, the Sanchai thing where he just goes around beating up white people <laughs> some poor guy who's had like 15 fights and yeah, yeah. Like, Sanchai walks down I'm not mad about fights. it no it's brilliant I'm not mad at it just being real that's just that's yeah. what happens <laughs> so anyway go check out Bare Knuckle for their latest uh, shenanigans and uh, you know we also had a UFC on today which is is this I think this is the first like major MMA event to happen in France in France yeah a first UFC because it was banned for a long time. France was one of the last countries to actually legalize MMA. Maybe you can check, Jake, and see uh, uh, when France legalized MMA. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was like 2019 or 2020 or something. It was very, very recent. They were one of the last ones. 20, Feb 8, 2020? Yeah. Is the date on the article? Yeah. 
So that was a long time coming, and you know, it's it's always like that, right? I remember when MMA was banned when I lived in Canada. When I lived in Canada, they had some organizations. TKO was like the big organization that they had back then, but you could only do them on like Native American <laughs> reservations. Yeah, Indian reservations were the only place that would allow it because they're not controlled by like the Ontario government because they're like their own little government within yeah within yeah. Canada. So people would go to these Indian reservations and then they would put on MMA fights and they would buy like tax-free tobacco and alcohol and shit like that, right? Because that's also what you could do yeah. there. And that was going on for years until GSP came Blow around. Up. And then as soon as GSP came around, they're like, okay, I think we'll legalize this MMA thing. Yeah. And uh, I remember when GSP fought Jake Shields at the Rogers Center in Toronto – because uh, I went, my coach at the time, Mark Hominick, was fighting in the co-main event, event against Jose Aldo. So it was two Canadians in the main event. Hominick was in the main event against Aldo, and then uh, GSP was in the main event against Jake Shields. Yeah. And I think that was the first, at least major one. Maybe they'd done some minor ones or whatever before that, but I think that was the first major one. It was like 55,000 people at the Rogers Center, I think, in Toronto. Bell, I think the Bell's in Montreal. I think the Rogers Center is in... Uh, Toronto but anyway so my point is now they got Cyril gone right so like France didn't give a fuck about MMA until yeah, all of a sudden uh, they have this fucking Herculean looking dude French guy who's just crushing everybody and Garno as well although he's not French that's where he lived when he made his breakthrough so yeah like, oh two two big stars we can probably make some money here I mean that's where they that's where he emigrated to from Africa like yeah. like France is a large part of of Cyril, of Cyril Gaon and well of course Cyril Gaon but of Francis and Gaon's career yeah well that's where he started MMA yeah not to mention yep. they trained together they had the same head coach uh, uh what's his name um oh, sorry, just put me on the spot I'm drinking Irish coffee at the moment okay because my students are degenerates <laughs> and every day after today we had also I'm going on a tangent here but I'm gonna go ahead and announce it on the podcast. If you don't have a place to train on Sundays, we're going to do an open mat every Sunday. It's going to be from 1 p.m. until 2.33, something like that. We'll go for like an hour and a half, two hours. We leave whenever everybody's pretty much done training. And uh, we're going to make it free to everybody in Singapore. So it's going to be an open mat. Nice. It's no gi. You guys, anybody can come that wants to come. Uh, Rob Deagle does the, you know, he teaches the techniques and then I sort of facilitate the sparring and, and you know, we're all rolling. I think today we had about 14. We were kind of keeping it on the DL. Like we have a group chat where a bunch of the like more competitive people yeah. are all on there and I've been telling them to come in. And then uh, I was like, let's just open it up to everybody. You know what I mean? We'll get some good rolls. So it's Sunday from one until like 2.30 or three o'clock. Uh, anybody can come. So anybody listening to this podcast, you can just rock up to Stronghold MMA. Uh, you don't have to message me or anything. You can just come, and I'll, and I'll chat with you and stuff when you're there. And uh, yeah, you know Rob Deagle's one of the best nogi guys in Singapore. He's probably the best leg locker in Singapore. Um, he's got a really good Instagram where he shows all kind. Robert Deagle, D E G L E. He does all kinds of cool stuff on there. And he's uh, running. He does some of them at Tiger Muay Thai. I think on like Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. You know he's got some places where he's he's training around. Uh, but if you want to come to Stronghold, you can come there uh, Sunday, 1 to 2.30, 1 to 3. Nogi, uh, Rob's been doing a lot of heel hooks with us and stuff, and then we roll for like an hour. So anybody in Singapore, if you're hearing this, you can come and you can bring your friends. You know, just note that like if you're an absolute beginner or something, Possibly. it's, it's <laughs> pretty much just rolling. Yeah. It's pretty much, doesn't mean you can't come. We'll take you, but you're going to have to just kind of roll with the fact that you're going to be a little bit uh, confused when you start. Right, it's fine. If you're a beginner, you can still totally come. 
just note that you got to kind of match the pace of the class and just do your best and you might get a little bit overwhelmed or whatever but you keep coming and, and it will work out so anybody you can tell your friends you can all come stronghold mma turf club road uh every sunday every week any fucking time let's go nice let's go jake uh so anyway uh what was my point how did i get to that we were talking about Cyril gone and somehow i going got big stars legalized how did i get MMA? to how did i get to that, that, that. saturday or sunday at stronghold doing sunday one o'clock no gi stronghold i don't remember how i got there there was a path but drinking all oh, right i'm having irish coffee all oh, right yes you brought me back jake so uh after the nogi rolling today which sunday is when jake and i record this uh, everybody started having pints i was just we just <laughs> finished rolling and then dc had brought like eight pints and they're all just sat there and waited for me and waited for me and that was like hours ago so now i have to have a little irish coffee just to keep you, to see, get you my juice going yeah you don't want to sober up whilst awake that is the worst thing in the world you just have to keep yourself ticking over till you fall asleep and, and while podcasting fine. like the last thing i want to do is just like start feeling like shit when i'm podcasting <laughs> looking so miserable this, <laughs> so this is irish coffee i put cognac in it and oh god it's a little rough i may have overestimated the I, amount of cognac, cognac i needed to put in that Anyway, sorry for the digression. Come train to the open mat. We're happy to have everybody. Don't be shy. Uh, on to Cyril Gunn. So, so yeah, the French have a really interesting heavyweight who took two out of three rounds from Ngannou. I mean, Ngannou was just basically able to wrestle fuck yeah, him. So much, so much bigger than him every time he got him down. He was Which like, is oh, pretty crazy, yeah. honestly. Like, in yeah, because huge. In terms of a tactic to do in yeah. a main event of the UFC when he's like knocking on the door of his contract being over and like the whole rumors about Nganu is that like the UFC might not even fucking re-sign him. They were saying all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? And then saying he like dodged fights and then, you know, they don't want to pay him. And all. I feel like Francis Nganu is as legit of a star, has potential in all of the world, Africa, Europe, America, he's like Mike Tyson. He's got power. He's marketable, soft-spoken. Came from a Congolese yeah, fucking amazing salt mine. story. Crazy right. story. Was like in jail multiple times while trying to escape Congo to get to Europe. Like just a crazy story. And then he ends up training with uh, is it Lopez? The coach's name, Ferdinand Lopez. Is that the right guy? I wish you could check Jake, but I know it's a pain in the ass for you to do it on this TV. Um, but anyway, same coach with Cyril gone, and they end up meeting. And then all of a sudden, you have two of the best heavyweight prospects in the division, both French. Well, you know, Francis is Congolese or whatever. But point is, both training out of France. And then they fight each other for the title. And then all of a sudden, France is like, yeah, we're going to legalize that MMA real yeah. quick. I didn't know we could make money out of this. I didn't know we could get superstars out of this. And Cyril gone looked good today. He's got some of the best footwork in the heavyweight division. The way he cuts back and forth, circling the cage, good head movement. Ty cracked him one time, though. Did you? Did you? Ferdinand Lopez, right? Is that, yeah, Lopez. It says. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Lopez. I feel like. Yes, Ferdinand Lopez. Ah! I got it. Showing you what's up, guys. I know my shit. Yeah, Ferdinand Lopez. So you, you can see right there coaching uh, Nganu back when he was youngish. Yeah, they had some sort of fallout. That's how I found it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a fallout, which is what yep. made the Gon fight so interesting. Man, and Cyril Gon was close. He was frustrating. He was frustrating and Gon for those first couple rounds. 
And Gonna just couldn't track him down. And he's like, why am I trying to hit you? I'm just going to grab you yeah. and fucking throw you over the cage. Like, <laughs> I've learned the basics of wrestling now. I will use them. Which is a crazy tactical adjustment for yeah. Gonna, which shows you he's able to adjust. Who, yeah. Who showed zero wrestling ability against his first fight against Steve Pitch. That's not bad going. Right. Yes. And then you wonder about Cyril Gone a little bit because he kind of got a really favorable matchup in Tai Tuivasa. Ty's not taking him down. No. There's no way Ty's taking him down. But the reality is Nganu exposed exposed Cyril Gone a little bit. Like he was a like because Nganu's not the best wrestler of all time. Like keep in mind DC was the champion recently. Stipe was the champion recently, both who have incredible wrestling. Yeah. And we haven't seen like Stipe versus Cyril Gone yet. We haven't seen him with one of those really strong grapplers. The the division tends to be striker heavy at the moment. Um but you know, he did still expose him a little bit. But either way, French MMA is just on the map. They went to Paris. They had the French Canadians there. They had like a French Russian there. Yeah. They had gone in the main event and they had a couple Italians because it's still a European show. And uh, who was the guy? Can you can you check the guy's name who beat Joaquin Buckley? If you just Google Joaquin Buckley UFC, it'll probably pop up on the whatever. Or Buckley UFC. I don't know. Uh, but it was, he was a French guy, and he looked good, man. Yeah, or you can just pull up the card. That would probably be the easiest way. Yeah. He fought Joaquin Buckley in, like, the third fight on the main card. There you go. And uh, French guy. Yeah, that's it. Imovov. So he's French-Russian, I think. And, of course, his name's Imovov, right? But he uh, he decisioned Joaquin Buckley. And that was a pretty good fight, man. Joaquin Buckley is the guy who did the jump spinning back kick to knockout to yeah, the face. The went viral ball. last year or two years ago. One of the craziest knockouts of all time. First of all, Buckley's a little small for that division, I think, because Imovov looked massive compared to him. They looked like they were in about two different weight classes. But this guy, uh, Nasordin Imovov, was ranked, I think, 12, 11 or 12 in, in the world coming into this fight. He's uh, 12 and 3 after the decision. This motherfucker looked good. He was tall, huge for the weight class. He's in Adesanya's weight class. They said he was like a French-Russian champion or some sort or whatever. Man, he looked slick. Buckley pressed him hard at the end of the fight. Like, he got a little bit tired because mm-hmm. apparently the arena was really hot. The commentary team kept saying that. Yeah. They just kept saying it was really hot in there. So I don't know what if they have air conditioners in France or whatever. But They, they do, but they can't currently afford to run them, I suspect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their economy is a little rough right now. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but Imovov looked amazing. So he's a really interesting French competitor. If you happen to be French and you listen to this or you like France. No yeah. one likes France. Hey. hey. <laughs> we made a French joke at the last podcast. I can't do it two weeks in a row. Otherwise, French people are going to be like, he's shooting on the country. He's and you know, I'm American too. We have yeah. a thing with France. Like we're we're buds. Not we're as tight. much not as well, but we have a thing of France, not friends. Yeah, yours is different. Yeah. Yours is different. Ours is we have we've never been they, war they with They gave France. you the Statue of Liberty. Exactly. And to be fair, you guys were kinda of assholes to us. <laughs> so if we made up in the end, it's fine. You rewrote history a little bit now. Now we're tight, but back in those days. Uh, anyway, so man, I actually wasn't aware. They had the Canadian thing going on too, the French Canadians or whatever as well. But I wasn't aware of how many actual French fighters that there were and uh they look good i yeah. think they won every single fight i mean you know the ufc knew they're going to france so they're like let's let's stack this card a little a little bit yeah a little bit um but anyway it was a pretty good card man go to, go down let me see what else we got here is anything else stand out yeah let's see what else we got here charles jordan oh nathaniel wood he looked pretty good he's a he's a real prospect in that division that's actually who Matt was talking about last week. Yeah. I think Matt Polino mentioned on the podcast last week he's thought really highly of Nathaniel Wood. 
um, Jessica Andrade. Oh, that was cancelled. Oh, oh, what? That would have been a good fight. I didn't even realize. Jessica, do you know what happened? No. So Jessica Andrade was scheduled to fight on this card as well. I did not know that. Um, and apparently the fight was canceled. Anyway. So, pretty good fights today. Uh, next week, let's hit that up, and then we'll go on to some like re- regular talk. We don't talk about the fights anymore. Yes, I might. Because I now there's timestamps in the videos, everybody. If you're listening to this, I figured out how to do timestamps. So, so if you actually come here to listen to MMA like the podcast suggests, you now can without the rambling shit in between. Yeah, you don't have to have that. <laughs> I finally figured out how to do it. It makes editing the podcast a little bit more of a pain in the ass, but I've kind of just accepted my plight at this point. And uh, so you can scroll through the bottom bar and now get the now get the timestamp. So if you're tired of my shit, we're going to move on to UFC 279, which is next weekend. Man, that main that event. Up. That main event. Nate Diaz and Hamza Chimaev. I'm massively underwhelmed by this card. It doesn't look like a pay-per-view. That does not look like a pay-per-view card. That's a good fight night. I don't know, man. Hamza, Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson's on the card. Kevin Holland's on the card. Daniel Rodriguez is no joke. I don't know if you know, if you're f- super familiar with him. No, no, But really that not. guy is good. Yeah. He's really, really good. He's flying under the radar, but he's really good. Uh, Rini Aldana, Macy Chieson, but Johnny Walker's on the card. Ian Kutilaba, that should be a fun fight. Uh, so, you know, it's not like going to blow your hair back, but it's, it's, it's solid, man. It's not, it's not a terrible card. I just don't think it's The main and the co-main, I don't give a fuck about that Lee Jing Leong, the Lee I don't give a shit. I just want Tony Ferguson <laughs> to, to murder somebody. Fight, yeah. Tony Ferguson, please, if you don't beat this guy. Retire. And all, by the way, this is 170. And Tony Ferguson was not locked, knocked out that long ago. I don't like this fight for him. He just got knocked out and he's moving up a weight class. This is just like... All the makings for a disaster, and it's, I it's, love Tony yeah, Ferguson. It's classic end of the career stuff. Uh, on, a, on a skid, moving up a weight class, thinking, oh, that'll fix my problems. It hurts my soul, man. Oh, you were so good, and it, you tripped over a mic cable because you were wearing sunglasses inside. And then everything just went tits up after that. Yep. <laughs> tits up. Shout out to my bare knuckle. <laughs> Shout out to my... Can we find her name? Just so the creeps that listen to this podcast can go, just go to MMA Core. That's probably the best. Yeah. I, <laughs> this podcast sometimes. We, 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 yeah, it's the top right. Ty Emery, is that her name? I just feel like I have to be real with you guys. And if you're listening to this podcast, yeah. T-A-I, Ty Emery. If you just uh, go to MMA Core or YouTube or uh, <laughs> Google Images oh. or, <laughs> or whatever, you can watch her fight because she kicked ass. And then you can uh, watch her... Anyway, how did we get on this point, Jake? God, uh, you got to control me today, man. Talking about good fight cards. We went from Tony Ferguson to, to that girl showing her tits again. Oh, because I said tits up. That's why. Uh, That's why. Uh, That's why. Because I said tits up and it, my reptilian brain just kicked in. Who's had a couple pints and some cognac in his whiskey. Point is, Tony Ferguson's career, I need him to get on top, man. Yep. Do you remember the, the reign of Tony Ferguson? The, boog- the boogeyman, Ryan. The horror that he left people in. Yep. The, the, the psychopathic way he fought. Man, it's been such a decline. He looked good against Chandler early on, but when was that fight? Do you remember when the fight with Chandler was? He got knocked Not out for a long ago. time. Yeah. He, he, was, he was actually, like you say, he was doing well. He's probably his best, shading it on the His best performance in a long time. Yeah. He, you know, he got taken down there at the end and, and then got up, and then Michael Chandler didn't even mean to throw that. No. That was not like, 
he didn't set him up. He's never. It looked like he threw a knee, and then like his leg just went forward. Right, it looked like he threw a knee. Yeah, like I'm doing to the camera, and then his leg just flung forward. He, he was, and Tony Ferguson's face was there. Yep, definitely not. That wasn't the game plan. He even said it. Yeah, he even said like I wasn't even. I never throw that. Like <laughs> it was just one of those. Things. Thought I'd give it a go. Well, that well, muscle memory. His yep. body just threw it, and he nailed it. But man, I, if Tony Ferguson loses to Lee Jin Leong like that, that's rough. By the way, and no disrespect to Lee Jin Leong, he was ranked in the top 15 in the welterweight division until Hamzat murdered him. Yep. He was right there. So I'm not shitting on that guy, but Tony Ferguson was like a world-class guy for almost a decade. Yep. Lee Jin Leong is not in his league in terms of skill. There's just no question. And if he wins... Tony's done. He moved up a weight class, which is not really a good sign. I don't know. Yeah. How do you feel about got, that? I know you love Tony too. I love Tony Ferguson. He was my favorite fighter when he was on his tags. He was absolutely unbelievable. But he had a horrific knee injury that he then rehabbed himself, and he's never looked the same since. Like, Well, having said that, when he came back from that, it was like before it was even supposed to be healed, and he beat Anthony Pettis. Yeah. And he murdered him. But... Somewhere after that, his skill declined. And I, the worst part is I hated the way he was interviewing after that because he said he stopped sparring. And then when he uh, – can you click on Tony Ferguson and pull up his, his card or his uh, – his, uh, I'll bring it up on topology. Yeah, bring him up on topology. Bring up his uh, career. Because after he lost – he went on his tear, right? And then he lost to Charles Oliveira. And then he said he wasn't doing jiu-jitsu, which is crazy. How can you fight Charles Oliveira and not do jiu-jitsu? And then before that, when he lost to Justin Gaethje, he was saying that he wasn't even sparring anymore. And then he was like, oh, I'm in and out. He was talking about his businesses and stuff. Oh, right, oh, right. Okay, so he lost to Gaethje. Depressing. Yeah, man, that's fucking rough. So he beat Cerrone. Khabib canceled. We don't even can't even talk about that on this podcast. I might cry if we do. Gaethje, he said he wasn't even sparring anymore. Charles Oliveira, he said he wasn't doing jujitsu anymore. Then he fights Darius, and Darius, I don't know if he started doing jujitsu in between that, but it didn't look like it. Doesn't look like he's wrestling. Wasn't sparring. He looks like he's training out of his garage. Yeah, and his training looks a little unorthodox to say the least. Which is hilarious. So like when Sean O'Malley was making fun of him and shit, that video killed me. Sean O'Malley's like smoking his <laughs> joint, rolling fans. through his house, kicking shit, jumping over stuff. And then Chandler, you know, he looked decent in that, but it's, you know, he got brutally knocked out. Wait, what's the date there? Let's figure that out. May. That's May, right? Yeah. Four months. I don't know, man. I don't like that. Not for someone who's on such a skid as well and who's had such a drop off in skill set. When Manny Pacquiao got knocked out by Marquez, one punch, stiffed. Freddie Roach didn't let him train for a year. Right? Yeah. That's an investment in your fighter. Now, Tony's old. I'm not saying you need to do that. But if that fight was four months ago, that means he's been doing contact training heavy within two months of that. Yeah. Because he's for sure at least minimum eight-week camp, probably 10 to 12. Let's be, like, let's be real. So that means he's probably back in training camp six to eight weeks after getting fucked up. Oh, and he, like, if my memory's right, he didn't get up straight. Like, he was 
out yeah. stiff as a board. He didn't out move for, for several like, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I think Ching Nong's probably just going to touch him. He's going to go down. Yeah, which for Tony Ferguson is crazy. Tony Ferguson has one of the most legendary chins of all time. Yep. Even Gaethje horrifically beat him, and Herb Dean stepped in. He didn't go out. Michael Chandler put him out. Yeah. It was that weird one where he just start, he just turned away from the punches and he just couldn't take it anymore, but he still wasn't getting knocked out. You're yeah. like, Tony Ferguson, you have to kill him. He has to be out completely to finish him or the referee will save him. He's just taken so much damage and like that, so much damage at the end of his career and then that knockout and then to go into camp eight weeks later. Yeah, but his style all the way through his career as well, he's always been like, he always gets hit. It's just, he's incredibly tough. Like you think back to when he was on his tear He'd sort of, he'd not take the first round off, but he'd get clipped a few times in the first round, so feeling the guy out. So it's not like he didn't take damage before he started getting knocked out on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, no, he was taking damage. But Tony Ferguson has never, ever been broken. Ever. Mm. He's never been broken in the octagon. Not one time did you ever see that motherfucker stop trying. No. Some people are like that. Nate Diaz, never broken. Beaten. But never broken. You never saw him quit. There's certain people that you, they don't have an ounce of quit in them. But that tends to be leave them susceptible to taking more damage, right? Yeah. Like your chin can be a real commodity, right? When you can walk through some of those shots, that's a real – it's crazy when you fight people like that. Like, like a Nate Diaz or a Tony Ferguson, both on this card. You know, they were talking about it with Leon Edwards because he's like literally the Terminator. Yeah. Leon Edwards beat the shit out of him for four minutes and 30 seconds. Yep. whatever it was like the last 30 seconds that Nate landed that shot and then taunted him and then and he then, did try to finish a little bit like he, he could have been more aggressive with it but Leon's dangerous and you can't like yeah just go rush ahead. in right uh, but anyway but they're both like that they're both built like that it's just like I can't it really sucks having a conversation with Tony Ferguson when he's not like in a championship situation it's like BJ Penn yeah Frankie Edgar now Johnny Hendricks falling off it's as just well. rough it's just rough I really hope he gets a win here, because um, I'm a, such a fan of Tony Ferguson. Um, and again, no no shit talk to Lee Jingliang, but and also it's welterweight, which is weird. Yep, he's uh, it's strange he's made that jump because he wasn't big for a 155er. I think he was pretty big for a 155, but let's, let's be real, he's not he's not like Usman. Not <laughs> like, I, yeah, that, that's not gonna work. So, I think there could be a couple good fights for him, maybe. But he's just taking so much damage. That's rough. Uh, all right, man. So we got Kevin Holland and Daniel Rod- Rodriguez. Why don't you click on uh, Rodriguez or Tapology him or whatever? Because he is nasty. He's old. He's 35. I didn't realize he was so old. He's fighting Kevin Holland, who's a real prospect as well, of course, in that division. But he has had some good fights. Is he the one that uh, – who did he submit? Sorry, let me just do yeah, this. Let, let's see. Because I might be confusing him with someone else. Let's see. So he's fighting Kevin Holland. And Kevin Holland moved down to welterweight, which was a huge move for him. He's looked really, really good. Man, Kevin Holland has tons of power. He's got so much snap. Welterweight, the top one. Yeah. Uh, so many Daniel Rodriguez. <laughs> which Daniel Rodriguez is it? There you go. Yeah, this is him. So he was just coming on Kevin Lee. That's Kevin who it Lee. was. I was like, he he has a couple good wins. Mike Perry as well. Yeah. So he's coming off of a win of Kevin Lee. He's coming off a win of Mike Perry and Preston Parsons. Um, and decision, decision, and KO. 
Who else did he beat? Tim, Tim Means. Means? Tim Means is a tough out, man. So anyway, he, he's legit. This should be an interesting fight. And, and uh, click on Kevin Holland because he, he should be there. If you just scroll down, I think he's there. Yep. So Kevin Holland, ever since he's come down to welterweight, has looked great because he didn't even cut weight to get to welter or to get to middleweight back when he was fighting at middleweight. Back when he knocked out Jacare, he was the he was like the fighter of the year, or the backup fighter of the year in 2019, I think. Yeah, he went on that absolute tear. So since he's been at welterweight, he has beat uh, Cowboy Alex Oliveira and Tim Means. But look who he fought. Look who he fought at middleweight, man. That is crazy. He just, when he switched uh, weight classes, he went from fighting Marvin Vittori, right, who's just, is the number two ranked middleweight in yeah. the world, and just fought against uh, Rob today. And then Derek Brunson Davis before that, huge, who's a top five middleweight. Jacare Souza, who he knocked out from the fucking guard, knocked him out from his back, yeah. which is crazy. How do you knock out Jacare from the guard? I've never seen such a crazy thing yeah, before. And a punch as well, not an upkick. Because like, you've yeah. seen it from the upkick before. But while talking shit. While talking yeah. shit to him. He was literally talking shit while he was... He hammer-fisted him backward and rocked him and then got up and caved his head in, which for like a, the one of the top three most decorated jiu-jitsu practitioners to ever enter into an MMA. Yeah. Strike force middleweight champion. To knock him out on your back is insane. So that's the kind of people that uh, Kevin Holland fought. Go down a little bit further because he fought even more people at middleweight. Joaquin Buckley, who he beat, who just fought. Anthony Hernandez, who's pretty good too. Um, Brendan Allen, he lost to. Uh, DeChirico, who fought on the main card. Gerald Mearshart, who's good. He beat a lot of good people at middleweight. Kevin Holland is a legit. And Tiago Santos, go down. Yeah, that was his. So Kevin Holland is so gangster, right? He fought Tiago Santos, and that was his entrance into the UFC. By the way, this is prime Tiago Santos. That was part of his run where he went up and fought John Jones at light heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lost by split decision with two blown-out knees. That run was when Kevin Holland fought Tiago Santos. So he fought him at light heavyweight. So Kevin Holland is a welterweight, right? Yeah. And there's a 15-pound jump between middleweight and light heavyweight. And Kevin Holland fought Tiago Santos on short notice at 205 and went to a decision. And now he's fighting welterweights. So he has a real prospect, a real dark horse in this division. And I'll be real with you. I think he gets through. Uh, sorry, go up. What's his name? Uh, Daniel, Daniel Rodriguez. Rodriguez. I think he gets through him, but Daniel Rodriguez is no joke. But Kevin Holland is a real prospect in that welterweight division. He is so quick. So strong. And then, um, so yeah, watch out for Kevin Holland. And let's see what else we got there. Anything else worth? Aldana. Johnny, Johnny Walker, Walker and Ian Kutilaba. That's a pretty good fight. Fun fight. A good fun fight on the main card. Johnny Walker just got destroyed by, um, not Brian, uh, not Stan, Span. What's the other guy's name? Um, I'll have to bring it up. I'm the names are rough today. Oh, what is his name? Just knocked Johnny Walker out with one punch, the southpaw. Jamal Hill. I think it's Jamal Hill. Is that him, yeah, top one? I, it's Jamal Hill. Again, loads of Johnny Walkers. All their parents were Alkies. Mm. I'm certain it's uh, yeah, yeah. Jamal Hill. Yeah, just Jarius knocked him out. He, oof. Man, he's... Oh, <laughs> Johnny Walker. 
You remember when Johnny Walker was a prospect? So yeah. we're looking at the topology right now. And he lost to Corey Anderson, who's in Bellator now in 2019. He lost to Nikita Krylov. He beat Ryan Spann. That's a pretty good win. Ryan Spann's top top 15. Then he lost to Tiago Santos. Then he lost to Jamal Hill. So he's lost four of his last five. Let's look at Jan. Now he's fighting oh, Ian Kutilava, which is a little bit of a step down in terms of competition. But Kutilava's gangster, though. Also coming off a loss. Yeah. Yeah. And then he had, yeah. That'd be a fun one, though, I reckon. It's a good fight. Yeah, it's definitely a good fight card. for the main card. Anyone good on the prelims? Yeah, let's take let's see a quick look. Oh, Chris Barnett's fighting. Chris Barnett. Oh, yeah. The, the big boy who knocked the guy out with the wheel kick and then did the front flip and, like, landed on his ass and was like, yeah! Chris Barnett's awesome. Okay, he's fighting Jake Collier. That's a pretty good fight. Who else we got here? Uh, I don't know. Nothing that pops. Many of those. Yeah, nothing that pops. But, you know, solid enough card. So, top of the card, uh, which Nate Diaz is going to show up? Is it going to be actual focused on fighting Nate Diaz? Or is it going to be, oh, I'm going to flip the bird and get some nice photos from this fight, Nate Diaz? I think Nate Diaz is always, like, he's always into it. Yeah. He's always training and disciplined and in shape. He just always struggles with physical specimens. That's always been Nate's problem, right? When he was at lightweight and he fought for the championship, even the the big lightweights, even though he's a pretty big lightweight, could always like outmuscle him, yeah. or they could tactically. In those days, Nate's problem was the leg kick. Yep, that was his problem because he's got the boxer yeah, stance. The he's heavy stance on, the on the front leg, and people figured out that you can leg kick him. Which it's not like he ever lost by leg kicks or anything, but people would outpoint him. Yeah, Benson Henderson was able to do that to him. RDA was able to do that to him. People that can kick him, he struggled with hard kickers and then physical specimens. Now, here's a problem with this. This is welterweight. And I was in, I think it was Toronto. I might be misremembering this. My brain is weird today. But do you remember when Rory McDonald fought Nate Diaz? Vaguely. There was the what period of time. Like? So Nate fought it at lightweight and he did great, got up to the title fight. Then he moved up to welterweight. Yeah. And... When he moved up to welterweight, he fought a few people. He got a few wins there originally. And then they put him up against Roy McDonald. And Roy McDonald just ragdolled him. I think Roy McDonald suplexed him in that fight like five or six times. Yeah. He just kept body locking him, suplexing him, body lock, suplexing him, body lock, suplexing him. Over and over and over again. Is this Nate? Oh, he's on He's on a bit of a skid as well. Is this Nate Diaz? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely on a skid. Can you throw that up on the main screen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... So let's check this out because he started out his career in the UFC at lightweight. He was hit or miss in the beginning. Right. There's the McDonald one. So go down a little further. Right. So in his lightweight career, he had all those great fights. He was a hit or miss. He still lost some fights. Clay Guida wrestle fucked him. Joe Stevenson wrestle fucked him. Gray Maynard physical freak wrestle fucked him. We'll go up a little bit further then. Okay. Right there. So he fought Gray Maynard. And lost Gray Maynard, of course, being a lightweight. And then he moved out to welterweight. So he TKO'd Rory Markham. He TKO'd or guillotine Marcus Davis. Then he fought big welterweights yeah, big who were higher ranked. Yep. Dong Hyung Kim decisioned him, outgrappled him. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that Dong Hyung Kim is a better grappler than Nate Diaz, but just a big, strong judoka. I think he's got like a bachelor's degree in judo or a master's degree. 
You know, in Korea, you can get your, uh, you could get an actual bachelor's or a undergraduate degree in martial arts. Nice. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So he, he's one of those guys. And uh, then Rory McDonald just manhandled him. Yeah. Then he went back down to lightweight. Now he fought Gomi, Cerrone, Jim Miller, three solid wins in a row, uh, three finishes as well. Oh, sorry. No, Cerrone was a decision, but he beat the shit out of Cerrone. Yep. Then Ben Henderson. Ben Henderson leg kicked the shit out of him. Josh Thompson head kicked him, right? Then he beat Gray Maynard again. Rafael Dos Anjos kicked the shit out yeah. of his legs again. <clears throat> Went on a little bit of a tear. Connor. Oh, so you flew first. through. Connor, the first fight, obviously he won. Second fight, what Connor do? Kick him over and over again. Kicked him, kicked him, kicked him, kicked him. Dropped him a couple times with the hands, but was using the kicks to set everything up. And then, uh, you know, then he beat Pettis, which was pretty crazy, actually. A lot of people didn't see that coming. And then Masvidal beat him up pretty good. But, uh, but Masvidal, actual welterweight. Leon Edwards, welterweight, beat him. I just don't think he can last against Hamza. I don't. Yeah, Hamza's probably too big. Yeah, too big and too much of a physical specimen. Yep. The only, the only X factor, I think, is that this is a five round fight. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. Drag, drag him into those deep waters because Hamza, it's, Gas tank didn't look the best when he fought Burns last time round. That was three rounds. Yeah. So take him into the fifth, fourth and fifth round, see how his gas tank goes. And that's when, you know, Nate really starts getting on people, just that 60% power, pap, 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 then yeah. see what happens. But you've got to get there. But I feel like he's going to get like Nate. And this is not like a shock to say. This is not some hot take. It's like Nate Diaz, right? Yeah. I feel like he's going to get rec- wrestle fucked and dropped early. Yeah. Like he's probably going to get hurt early. He's going to weather the storm. He's going to get wrestle fucked. You know, Hamzat's going to pin him against the cage. He's going to get on top of him. He's going to drop punches, elbows. Nate's not going to give a fuck. He's going to be bleeding, right? And then he'll start to come back in the end rounds because this is what Nate Diaz does. Look at the Leon Edwards fight. I mean, how much much more respect does that fight have now, in hindsight, now that Leon's a champion, right? Yeah, yeah. But... Is there a possibility on this one as well that Hamzat gets on top, starts raining elbows down? Because Nate cuts up easily. Like you've got the he had the doctor's stoppage against Masvidal for a cut. Could that play into it? It could definitely play into it. I think he's, it's probably more likely that Nate Diaz gets stopped by cut than like ground and pound or a choke or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like because Nate can, Nate gets the beat shit out of him sometimes, or the shit beat out of him, the beat shit out of him. He gets the shit beat out of him a lot. But he's tough enough and he's fit enough and he's technical enough that once the physical advantages are over, he can start to come on. He can yeah. start to really hurt people. That's his thing. That's what he does. But with Hamzad, I just don't think so, man. He's not looked great recently. Let's be real. You know, oh, The one punch against Leon Edwards yeah. is really the only success he's had since 2019. Yeah. All those cancelled bouts just because he wanted... Like, and, and, and I get it. Like You're the big star now. You want paying, but the USC don't do that. But that so. Poirier fight, though, man, would that have been good? That Dustin Poirier fight was one of the good ones that got away from us. Yep. The world could have used that fight. It's COVID, right? I feel like we all could have used a little Dustin Poirier versus Nate, Nate Diaz, Diaz in our life. Amazing. That would have been amazing. Well, if Nate wins, set it up. Oh, if Nate Diaz wins... It's on with 
Leon Edwards. Oh, yeah, true. The yeah, UFC right, would love that, man. Because of that one punch, yep. they can market that entire fight. Yep. Even though Leon Edwards did work the whole time. Like, oh, easily yeah. outpointed him. Leon was, yeah, winning that fight by a significant margin and then got caught once and... Thing. No, because you can see, like, at the end of the... Fu- when Diaz landed that punch, there's, like, all the memes that went out and all the still images that were saved. And Leon Edwards is, like... Uh, you can tell he's, like, at the thousand-yard stare. But he doesn't have a cut on his face. Yeah. He was barely hit that entire fight. Nate didn't land almost anything. Yeah. Like, Leon looked amazing. Uh, but that one punch is enough to market the shit out of that fight. And, by the way, I'm totally in. Oh, yeah. Right. If Nate Diaz beats Hamzat... Sign yeah. me up. Oh, Wembley, Wembley title fight be amazing. Put him past Usman. I don't give a shit. Because yeah. although the problem is, I think this is Nate Diaz's last fight on his contract. Ah, I'm almost certain that it's his last fight. If he wins, he may never fight again. Here's the thing. Here's the problem. Here's the reason why I say that. Because it's a fucking Diaz brother, and he's gonna be like, pay me the most. Yeah, I want the most money. For I the want title the most. Fight. And if the UFC's the like, nah, he'll be like, fuck it. I feel like he might be like that. Yeah. Uh, know. And he knows he can... Like, he can... He's a big enough star that he doesn't actually need the UFC. Like, he could set up an MMA fight of his own. Like, But against Leon Edwards, he can't. Oh, no, against Leon Edwards, but he, he'd be able to set up some sort of... Like, there's more money in him to fight Jake Paul, probably, than there is oh, definitely for him is. to fight on the Way UFC. So for sure. He'll probably for do sure. that. Yeah, but if he beats Hamzat, that's insane. That would be insane. That would be as insane as the Conor McGregor. And if he does happen to beat Hamzat, then Nate Diaz has like the best upset wins of all time. Yeah. Because he upset Conor. If he upsets Ham, I mean, they're not even... That would be insane. I literally the, can't imagine a scenario where that would happen. The Honestly, UFC I'll be real. not fancy his chances of winning it. If it's his last fight of his contract, they're clearly like, well, you can you can give uh, Hamzat a big boost and give him... Like, he can get the rub off your star power. Well, they say he won it. That's what the UFC said. You yeah. never know what's actually true and what's not true. But the UFC said he wanted it. And he must have wanted it to a degree. Otherwise, he wouldn't have taken it. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that we can talk about is like the experience difference. I mean, we're looking at the records here. Nate Diaz is 21 and 13. So that's 30 over fights. Hamza is 11 and 0. I like how neither of us took the risk there of trying to add 21 and 13 to see how many fights he had. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, maybe we could do that. I math. just rounded on the math. <laughs> yeah. I was like... Um, so in terms of experience, Nate has a ton, but he's also a bit older Yep. and was never the most fast twitch explosive guy. And Hamza is, but there are downsides to that when you're fighting in five rounds. Yep. So th- I think that's the story of the fight. And you know, this is not a hot take. A lot of people have talked about this, but I just, I can't imagine a scenario where Nate Diaz wins this fight. If he does, then I will be screaming like a fanboy, like beyond. I'm going to get, I might get 209 tattooed on me. I'll do what Anik did. Should I get, I'll tell you what, I'll make this deal with you, Jake, on the podcast. I'll make this deal with you. God, I'll do what John, John Anik did. If Nate Diaz beats Hamzat Shumayev, I will get a Stockton area code 209 tattooed on my body. <laughs> you heard it here. Okay. And I don't fucking lie. I will 100% do it. I know, also, I know I tattoo- love Nate Diaz. So I know a tattooist. Okay, I done. Could, we could probably get him to do done. it live on the show. So you all, you all heard it here. I kind of wanted to, him to win just so I can get the tattoo. Yeah, just so you get it. I might just get it anyway. I might just. Get, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go home and I lie to my wife that like, oh yeah, uh, I've said that if this happens, I'm gonna get a tattoo. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. So you heard it on this podcast. I will 100 percent do it. I'll film it. I'll live stream it. I don't know where I'll get it, but I'll get it. No, I know someone. 
You know, you know a guy. Jake yep. knows a guy. We, we know tattoo people here. I'm covered already, so it's not really a big deal for me. But I'll put it somewhere where you can clearly see it. I'm not going to be a bitch about it. And I'll send it to Nate Diaz. It'll be badass. Um, because, one, because Anik did it, first of all, over yep. the Connor fight. I feel like this would be just as big an upset. This, oh, I think even more maybe so. Maybe bigger. Yeah, because when he fought Connor, they were both at least in their prime. Like, Nate's not in his prime anymore. That's this is true. tail, That's tail true. end of his career. But Connor was undefeated in the UFC at that point, yeah, and almost true. nobody was giving him a chance. Almost nobody. That's why Anik made that deal. Yeah. Where he said, he's, like, Nate's not going to win. And almost everybody thought Nate wouldn't win. I didn't think Nate would win. No. I thought Connor would kick him because he's such a good kicker. Yep. Right, but then he blew his wad halfway through the second round or whatever, and then Nate just beat the shit out of him and choked him. But uh, so you heard it here, two oh nine. I will get the two oh nine tattoo. Nate, I'm kind of cheering for it, bro. I want, <laughs> I want that tattoo. I might just get it anyway because it's just, fun. Yeah. Um, but I, no, I definitely think Hamzat will win. And what would be next for Hamzat if he actually did? You got to go to Leon or Usman or Leon Usman or Colby. Yeah, that's pretty much all that's left. Yeah, I, but it sounds like Usman's not got a long medical suspension for that KO, so they're probably going to run him back with Leon. I don't know if that's then, good or bad. Yeah, I think that favors. Leon again, if anything. Is it me or like the UFC concussion protocols He's a little crazy? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like how can Tony Ferguson go into camp two months after clearly being concussed and not like little concussed, like dead? Yeah. How is that possible? How He's... in American athletic commissions is that even possible? The NFL is really strict about that shit. Like the NFL concussion protocols are like, I know the UFC is controlled. Like doctors have some say in that. Because they do do suspensions for stuff. It just doesn't seem right that Tony Ferguson should be fighting. Yeah. And I don't think Usman should be fighting for six, six months. months to a year. Yep. But I don't think he should be fighting in six months. I think it should be six months, no contact. Before you start training. No like, contact. Yeah, yeah, contact. Yeah, yeah. 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 I agree. So if that's the case, like, you, you know, Leon, I don't know if he should sit on that title. You can make that Leon fight, Usman. I don't know how big that would be. They're talking about, like, by the way, have you heard uh, Usman on Rogan? I just started listening to it. I've, I've not got that far into it's it. It's amazing. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, Leon Edward, or, uh, Kamar Usman has probably been the best loser I've ever seen. One of them. Yeah. He has not made a single excuse. He was laughing at himself. If you haven't listened to Joe Rogan's podcast with Kamar Usman, you should go listen to that. Because a lot of people don't like Usman. They thought he was boring. Pound for pound, like all that we, kind of stuff. Yeah, but we might have said as much on this podcast. Oh yeah. Well, there's been many fights of his career that were super boring, right? And he just it wasn't super marketable for whatever reason, even though he was the pound for pound number yeah. one. But I'll tell you what, after this loss to Leon Edwards, I like him way more. Man, he is super humble. He was like literally talking about how he was like laughing at the memes that were made about him. And it, like good nature you can tell people were saying that as a joke. Yeah. And he was actually like good natured about it. He totally broke it down. He gave Leon Edwards all of his props. He was like saying stuff. Uh, he was talking about how he was like tr in the fifth round, he was setting Leon Edwards up for the knockout. Yeah. So like he was talking about in his head, how psychologically like when Leon knocked him out, he yeah. was trying to set him up for the knockout. So he's like, I had this plan. I kept seeing this tell. I kept seeing this tell. And then he was just like woke up in yep. the ambulance. But have you seen that? He gave him total props the whole way. He watched the video where the coach was breaking it down. Yeah, I was going to say. And he was like, they saw it. Yep. They saw it coming. It was all the props. No bullshit. Totally real. Totally humble. Laughed it off. Was like, I wasn't mad. Congrats to you. England got a champ. It's fucking crazy. You beat the pound for pound number one. Like, yeah. 
Man, was he humble. Well, it was case, really refreshing to watch. Roll them back then in that case. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds nice. They do that. Uh, uh, yeah, give um, How's about um, Covington. Happy days. Yeah, but yeah. the question is, should Usman come back so soon? If he does, then yeah, you can obviously roll back yeah. that, that Leon fight. If they want to go with someone else, what do you do? If Hamzat beats Nate Diaz, does Hamzat jump the queue? Like, let's say Usman, and let's be real, there's a real possibility Usman could come back and get injured. You know what I mean? There's a very likely or highly probable scenario where Usman can't be Leon Edwards', Edwards next opponent. Most likely he can and he should be because he was the pound-for-pound pound king and he was so dominant. Yeah. But shit happens. So there's some percent chance that uh, they don't fight next. If they do, yeah, let's, let's look at the rankings. It's definitely Colby's at number two now. He moved down because Usman lost. And Hamza, I believe, is three. Okay. So it goes Hamza, Colby, Usman, Leon Edwards at the top. England, representing number nice. one. God damn, you got an Englishman over Kamaru Usman. Jamaican Englishman. He's still got that West African thing going on, let's be real. <laughs> the power. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Bilal's at fifth, who that actually, the Leon Edwards Bilal Muhammad fight also, I feel like, looks better in hindsight. Yeah, you can get some traction on it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they did it before and until the, the eye, eye poke, poke. Yeah. Until the eye poke, like. He was close, but Leon was winning. I thought it was not even close. I thought Leon was like, yeah. cl- like clearly, totally controlling the pace, everything, and and he's ranked fifth. So, if you look at that, that that win has a lot of shine on it now. Burns is fourth, Hamzat third, Colby, Kamaru, and Leon Edwards. So if Hamzat wins, does he jump Colby, or do they do Colby Leon Edwards because it would be hilarious. I don't care. Any one of those combinations of fights is good. Uh, it's good. good shit. Yeah. Good so like, shit. I, as long as it's one of those combinations, be it like Colby, Leon, uh, Usman, Leon, Hamza, Usman, whatever it is, just make sure it's one of those combinations of fights and not like, oh, well, we'll give Gilbert Burns a chance. Like, no. Yeah. Oh, God damn. So that division is good, boxing, though. So. That division is good, though, man. Jeff Neal looked amazing in his last fight. Yep. Uh, Vincente Luque, he just crushed him. Vincente Luque is a beast. I kept talking about the welterweight, UFC welterweight division when when uh, Matt was here, so I don't want to do it. If you want to listen to that, you can go check out the previous podcast. Yeah, I'm going to say, I think we're repeating the exact same things we said last week. Now. Oh, man. But never mind. Yeah, we are, we are but it's that not, division is so... come. Uh, Leon Edwards just threw like one of the biggest monkey wrenches into the history of MMA. I mean, that is one of the biggest upsets of all time. Yeah. So, man, talk about... Yeah, my interest is peaked, to say the least. Like, yeah. That is super oh, it's juicy. Not, it's not every day as well you get a UFC champ. Who, I know we had Bisbing, and everyone loves Bisbing, but he trained out in the States, yeah. whereas Edwards trains out in the UK. Like, So he's the first, not the first like actual UK fighter, but the first fighter out in the UK, if that makes sense. Who to trained his yeah. whole career there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and now, I mean, you got Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson as a welterweight on that same card, which I'm still whatever about. <laughs> but, okay, so that, that's actually all welterweights. The top three which is a good move, actually, by the UFC. The top three fights, all welterweights. Tony Ferguson. Oh, wait, does it say Kevin Holland's catchweight? Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez, Nate Diaz, Hamzat, all welterweights. Yeah, but does it say catchweight for Kevin Holland? 
Yeah, I wonder why. Maybe maybe Daniel Rodriguez didn't want to make weight, and Kevin Holland was like, "Fuck it, I used to be yeah. middleweight." <laughs> Both so. of them are like, "We don't want to cut weight." He's like, Can "I knocked just... out Jacare at middleweight. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Let's don't do it." I fought Tiago Santos at two hundred five. I don't give a yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's the UFC covered, man. Exciting stuff. So, um, what we didn't really get to talk about last week because Matt came on and ruined it with his expertise and knowledge. Was, and uh, students who win yeah, fights, and win winning students, knockouts in the first round, yeah, and like asshole. things like that. We didn't really get to talk about your uh, full full experience of being the ref. No, judge. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, man, that was a crazy experience. Yeah, I forgot. I didn't really talk about it much on the last podcast. But that was a crazy experience. First of all, the fact that I got to judge a Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson fight is crazy. I mentioned this on the last podcast. Sorry if I'm repeating myself. It's going to happen. When I saw him, also, I feel like I was a bit of a dick because I'm not really like a guy who gets starstruck by people. Yeah. I'm not the guy who will go up to anybody if they're famous and like chat with them or whatever. I mean, I went to school for drama. I've been around famous people. It's not something that I really like play into or whatever. I'm the guy that would just like wave or whatever and walk by them. Like I'm not the guy yeah. that will pry them out. But when I saw Mighty Mouse after, he was I saw him talking to a group of people right when I walked in. Yeah. And I saw him, I was like, fuck, Mighty Mouse is here. I didn't know he was gonna be there. I didn't know anybody was here. So after the fights, uh one did a like a a uh after party. Yeah. At some hotel. It was the fighter hotel. And I went. I had no idea who was gonna be there. And as soon as I walked in I saw Mighty Mouse going to the side. And I didn't like run up to him yet because he was too far away. But then I went, uh, I chatted with everybody a little bit and he came back out. And when he came back out, he was like in a group of people and he was kind of stuck, right? Like yeah. he, he, he was stuck in there. So I basically just, Shimmy as name. soon as he broke through and was like trying to leave, I was like, oh, wait, 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 come here. And I, I feel like I overwhelmed him a little bit because I'm a nerd. I'm a huge <laughs> MMA nerd. And I cornered his, or I judged his fight. So I wanted to chat with him, right? So I would never have done that against a normal person, but... GSP, I would do that too. There's a couple of people who yeah, I would, you wouldn't be able to tell I would borderline double leg them if it meant I could talk to them for a second, right? <laughs> like if they're walking down the street and I see him and they shove me off, I might just have to body lock them, put them in prison for a little bit, right? Like I know GSP and Mighty Mouse can you can escape, but I have a, I'm still a black belt. Yeah, no, I, I put you in a body I, lock. I, I got like 30 seconds that I can chat with yeah, you against I've your got, will. I can hold you long. <laughs> very just brief conversation. Well, I can gush and be like, dude, I love you. You know, and that was Mighty Mouse. I, I he was walking by and I was like, dude, 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 and I tapped him on his shoulder and he was trying to leave. So I felt a little bit bad. He was trying to leave. Yeah, not bad enough to not do it, but still. But I had to ask him for a photo, and I wanted to just quickly. I, I took 30 to, seconds yeah. and was like, hey, man, I was a judge for your fight today. It was a huge honor for me to judge your fight, first of all. And I said to him, I mentioned to Matt on the last podcast, that like judging your fight to me is like judging like a Roberto Duran fight when Roberto Duran was in his prime. Like I could never imagine going, because they're around, this, not the same weight. Monty Mouse is way smaller. But he's a lightweight fighter mm. who is one of the greatest ever. And I remember watching him when I was a teenager. And then 15 years later, I'm here judging one of his fights, and it's insane to me, right? Yeah. So I mentioned to him that like I couldn't imagine being like a judge for a boxing event when in the 80s, like a Roberto Duran fight. You never think of, you see, think about the people in the audience. You don't think about the guy who could touch the cage and just reach his hand out and is like responsible for judging it, which I probably shouldn't be. Like, yeah. I shouldn't be that guy probably at all, right? I mean, I'm very experienced, but at the same time, I'm like, God, I don't know, man. There's probably better people. <laughs> I'm like, low-key like that. The first it's thing, Mighty Mouse. Yeah, I'm exactly. not fucking Mighty Mouse, right? Bit, and the first thing I text you was, 
But you're glad that didn't go to a decision because that was close. Oh, man. We were all sweating. All the judges were yeah. sweating because it's a lot of responsibility. And here's the thing about watching the fights versus judging the fights. It's very easy to sit and watch the fights and be like, oh, this guy should have won. You see a decision that you disagree with yeah. and you shit talk it. And as sports fans, that's the fun. That's part of the fun. You want to be like, oh, this guy, hometown decision. We've done it on this podcast countless times. About what? To the point where I'm worried somebody's going to go through the archives <laughs> and like pull up some shit because I'm a fan. And part of being a huge fan is talking shit. Yep. That's what makes it fun, right? But when you're sat there and yeah. the pressure is on and it's a close fight, the level of pressure like almost takes you out of body. Like I can judge a fight sitting at the on the, my couch – and in my head, I'm 100% right all the time, right? Because it's my couch and nobody's arguing and with me. Zero and even if they are, it's two fans just talking shit. So you could be like, nah, that's bullshit. No, that's not bullshit. No, that call was fucked up. No, that call was correct. You couldn't do that with your, with your boys all day long because yeah. there's no consequences. But when you're sat there, man, was I sweating because Adriano won the first two rounds and DJ did some damage and all of that kind of stuff, but I... You know, he took him down and he was just bigger and stronger yeah. and you could see it. And he hurt him with uh, a head kick. I think in that second round, he head kicked him, which was like, oh, shit. And so, and then the third round, DJ just started putting him on his back foot. He's like, I'm going to get in your face, take away the range. The fourth round, he started doing it a little bit more. So up until that knockout, I'm like looking at my scorecard. <laughs> two, two, yeah, it's not two and two. two, two. Yeah, yeah, but. We don't judge the rounds, but it's yeah. still a helpful guide in yeah. terms of like who's been in control for... Yeah. Half the fight ish because it's basically two and two, yeah. And we don't judge it like that. But the whole fight is four rounds, and it's basically still half and half, right? Yeah, You're, it's basically yeah, the same was, thing at that point. Like I, I was not even in your position at that point in time. I was literally sat there thinking, "Yeah, I wouldn't want to judge this one." Oh man! And so I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to be like, "Shit, please don't do this to me, universe." I don't want to razor thin. <laughs> I don't want it to be me. They're all mad at. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not even worried about like fans being mad at me i'm worried about like fucking someone over yeah i don't give a shit about i really don't care about like, what the fans think and i don't really care what the executives think other than me trying to do my best to interpret the rules that one has yeah so sometimes the executives will come over and and we talk about fights we break them down we have meetings to where we try and figure out who won what and we put close fights on and they tell me what they're looking for so all i'm trying to do is do my best job to interpret their Criteria. rules yeah right but beyond that that's all i can do right so people are getting upset about it that that's not what my thing but i want to do the best job that i can of interpreting this fight for their rules and there are fights in one championship that people will win that would not win in the ufc yeah. or that yeah. would win in the ufc uh, there was one I just was thinking about. Well, oh, go on. But we thought Tiff won because of the rules when she fought Panda. You right. remember, we were convinced she'd won because of the one scoring criteria. But actually, in hindsight, I think that Tiff would have won in the unified rules. Yeah, she won three rounds. Yeah. But in one rules, I think Panda might have won. And Major said that on the podcast. Yeah. And I didn't believe him. But he had judged for one before and I hadn't. So yeah. I didn't know exactly what they were looking for. Now I know what they're looking for. And there are a lot of fights where a guy would have won in the UFC that would not have won and won because they want finishes. Yep. They want damage. That is what they want. The number one scoring criteria is finishes near sub or near KO. They're equal. If I almost submit you or I almost knock you out, that shit's the same. That's number one. Nothing else trumps that damage is next. Yeah. 
and that to the point where it's a massive emphasis on this. This is why you saw I saw three fighters go out on a stretcher over the two days. That is how much these guys are trying to kill each other. Three people went out on a stretcher. One went out on a wheelchair. 90% knockout or finish rate across two shows. Three, actually, because the one before that, I was the MMA judge, and there wasn't a single a single decision. One decision. Yeah. So you're talking about three shows where 80 to 90%. I don't know the number because some shows had nine fights. Some shows had like yeah. one had seven, had 10, whatever. But one fight each time did not have a finish. So the and every and all the people that are getting wins are getting 50k bonuses, and well, we can give and the referees give yellow cards quickly yeah. if they're not yelling yeah, they and people are walking by the cage saying action action action, so man they are pushing people to finish and people are getting taken out on stretchers it's insane yeah some of those knockouts were the pun Payak knockout was brutal he got knocked out twice in one second <laughs> i shared it on the group chat today the hook we talked about it last week yeah the hook knocked him out yeah and then the kick pun stepped off and in less than one second on the way down to the mat because he was unconscious he got head kicked on the other side yep oh bro it was brutal yeah i love, I love one He's so, so good at the moment. Yeah, I mean, especially the Muay Thai. Yeah, because the like watching Muay Thai in Thailand and watching one Muay Thai is just totally different. Because in one, they're trying to literally rip each other's head off. In Thailand, what they do is they take the first round the first off. First round off for betting. They take then they take the betting, and then you got a couple rounds in there where you can actually fight. And then if one person knows they're winning when they're going into the last round, they take the round off. Yeah, because. Guess what? Both people are probably going to fight in two or yeah. three weeks. So it's like a, it's etiquette in Thailand, which is a small tangent. But did you see that Chatri is going to be the new matchmaker for Lumpini? Ooh. P- pull this up. So if you're a Muay Thai fan, this is huge news. Now, uh, what, what, what happened is I think he's becoming like the number one promoter. And when Chatri goes over, because Chatri has a Thai passport, and he's got all these connections with uh, Thailand. And the what I was saying is Thailand in Singapore, sorry, Muay Thai in Singapore when they do it in one, is totally different. They're trying to kill each other. In Thailand, there's this etiquette that they have because of the betting, and because of the fight, that, the fact that they fight so frequently, where they don't often try to finish each other. Yeah. Out of respect, especially in the last round, if one guy is clearly up. Or, or if I've I've seen fights over there as well, where one guy is clearly so much more dominant than the other guy and could finish him at any point he wants. But generally speaking, they don't tend to go for it for the reason you say. Yes, that's right. It doesn't mean that you won't see knockouts. Oh yeah. People can still catch each I other saw, if they're competitive saw, in those mid rounds. They'll still knock each other the fuck out, right? I once saw a brutal knockout between two 12 year olds in Thailand. I was like, oh, I don't know oh, if I want to be watching this. Yeah, 12 is where you're starting to get to the point where they have power. Yep. If you do it pre-adolescence, the odds of them knocking each other out is very low. If they're like six, seven, eight, nine, once you get to like 10, 11, 12, that's when they start getting puberty strength and that's when they can really knock each other out. That's rough. I wouldn't want to see that. Nah, that shouldn't, that shouldn't did, be legal. It was, well, it was on one of the islands somewhere. Like, oh, yeah. Not very, not very legit. Mean, and like the first, Thailand's going to Thailand, bro. Thailand's going to Thailand. It's, it's Muay Thai. Let's be real. It's fucking Muay Thai. It's the national sport. Yep. Thailand's going to Thailand. Yep. 
He was. Uh, I saw that, and the but two, also CTE for twelve-year-olds. Yeah, CTE for twelve-year-olds. Brutal head kick. Ideal. Brutal head kick knockout. Uh, that was the first fight of the card. I was like, ah, oh, this is sketchy. And then fortunately, they didn't make any more children fight. But then also yeah. Thailand going to Thailand. The next day, me and my missus went to a monkey sanctuary, and uh, they made a monkey ride a unicycle. Oh. I was like, I don't think this is a sanctuary, Em. I think we're doing something illegal. Which one was more sad to watch, the 12-year-old knockout or the monkey riding the the 12-year-old getting knocked out? It's got yeah, the monkey right. looked quite happy about the unicycle <laughs> gig, so I didn't mind. The monkey monkey was kind of into it. You <laughs> the know? worst bit was, um, <laughs> we're, we're in this um, oh, like amphitheater, and there's only me in a minute, and the monkey goes around on the uh, unicycle and pulls up in front of us for applause. It knew. Oh, yeah. it's well-trained, right? It yeah. knows what's up. Uh, yeah, but did you find this Chachri thing? Yes. So let's see. I'm pretty sure he was becoming the new matchmaker or the promoter. Is now okay, So Chachri Situtong is now officially a promoter at Lumpini Stadium. The venue, which was opened in its original location in 1956, okay? If you don't know, if you're an MMA fan or a boxing fan and you're not aware of like Muay Thai, Lumpini is the stadium. There's a few stadiums in Thailand which are considered to be like if you're the Lupini champion, you're the top dog. The, the world champion. Yeah. There's another stadium called a Raja Damnern, which is another top tier uh, stadium in Thailand. Those are the considered to be the top number one and number two. But Lumpini is classically considered the tip of the spear. But Raja Damnern also a very good. Um, so the venue, which was opened in its original location in 1956, Thailand, I love you. <laughs> Uh, fuck, 56, man. Only allows a select few people to put on fight cards on its premises. Yeah, this is why this is really interesting. Like, this is actually really big news. Yeah. Because the Thailand Muay Thai culture has been so established for so long. But to see a promoter like Chachri go in there, who's totally changed the way Muay Thai is conducted and is promoted globally, they've never been able to do what Chachri has done for, like, Rotang, for Nong O, for Sam A, for all of these amazing Thai fighters, no one has been able to promote them quite like one has. Mm. K1 Max did okay, but they it's like switching them to kick kickboxing rules, right? Yeah. K1 did it a little bit. Glory did it a little bit. You had some ties that were able to go over and transcend be out of Thailand a little bit, but nothing like one. Like Rotang right now is fucking huge. He is massive. I mean, well, he made Rotang like a more internationally known star. Like if you knew kickboxing, you knew who he was. But That's now why it's genius. You put know. him in there with Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. It's genius. Boom. It's genius. So this is a huge thing for the for the future, especially for Thai fighters, for Thai Muay Thai fighters, right? Like the, you know, the Europeans and the Americans, that scene is already well established. But the problem was how do you get these ties to go to the next level? How do you get them to transcend like a Conor McGregor? Yeah. Right? Because... The problem is, like, you even get these European fighters who can't beat a tie who are way more known than a lot of these ties, who are, like, multiple-time world champions, right? Like, a, a Liam Harrison is way more famous than multiple time than Pampayak. Yeah. Pampayak is a four-time Thailand fighter of the year, universally considered the number one award for all ties, four times. And people know Liam Harrison more globally, you know what I mean? Haggerty, they know him more. Yep. Right? Because it's really hard to market these weird-ass names with these Thai fighters who speak no English, who have no interest in learning it, who don't talk shit because yeah. they're Thai, right? So, so don't, like, they don't 
understand the game either. They don't understand, you know, the self-promotion aspect of it and stuff They're like named that. after their gyms. Yeah. Their last name is the gym name. How do you... It's so hard to market these people to a global audience. No one's done it better than one. So the fact that Chachri's going over there is really, really interesting. It shows that at least Lumpini Stadium is looking to move into a different direction. So to continue this, Lumpini, Lumpini Stadium moved to brand a new location in 2014. Confusingly, it is nowhere near the Lumpini area in the center of Bangkok, but it's located further north on uh, Ram Intra Road. Okay, whatever. The stadium has undergone major changes in recent months. And with the decision to ban gamblers and allow MMA fights to take place. That's exciting. Yeah. One Historically, at, one Lumpini, at Lumpini Stadium. We're going to that. One at Lumpini. We're going oh, to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That would be really amazing. And then finally, historically, Lumpini Stadium has exclusively held Muay Thai bouts. Apart from the occasional boxing match. Yeah, I remember hearing rumors that they were going to do uh, MMA fights at Lumpini Stadium before. Yeah. But everybody was like, because the Thai culture, the Thai Muay Thai culture is very. Uh, he has like a quasi religious as- aspect to it. He's how, totally. Yeah, how's okay? He's with the um. Oh, what thing? Head thing's called. The uh, with an M. Can't remember. Uh, like they do that, and they do the um the dance at the beginning and stuff like that, and it's yeah. like a religious aspect of. I think I'm right in saying that they're praying for their safety and the safety of the fighter. Yeah. yeah so to, to go from that to like MMA, just bleed is going to be an interesting transition. That's true. That's true. But meanwhile, it's got this like semi-religious spiritual element to it. When they do the the dance, when they wear the, oh, God. Is that mo- no, not uh, mukbang. Yeah. That's that. No, eating thing. it's like right on the tip of my tongue. I hate that my brain is not working today. I've done Muay Thai for fifteen years. I should <laughs> be able to remember this. Um, but right, so it does have that. But also, it's steeped in prolific gambling, right? And notoriously pretty corrupt. You can watch a lot of YouTube documentaries and videos about. Uh, Thailand Muay Thai culture and it can be pretty toxic and pretty it's you know it's Thailand so it's super unregulated this is why you saw a 12 year old get knocked out with a head kick yep no such thing would ever be permitted in America no. they're fighting without headgears yeah right like so um, anyway it's really interesting Chatri's moving over there I think that will be good I think it will be great for Muay Thai oh you're still trying to figure this out yeah because it's annoying me now I'm putting in the, I'm typing the wrong God. things in. It's not that. Man, I need to finish more of my Irish coffee. <laughs> yeah, that'll help. That, that'll keep your memory to gear. Thai headgear traditional. Muay Thai. Here we go. Let's try it. Oh. We're getting it. No, uh, you can't type in headgear. You got to type in like a uh, headband. Oh, there you go. Mong Kong. Mong Kong. Mong Kong. Oh, God. Luke, you idiot. Why did I have those pints at the gym earlier? My brain is just not working. Yeah, but yeah, I've, got, so Mon I've Kong. got no excuse. I've not had a drink today. I'm like, I know. I have bang, these. I have these hung up in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> just my brain is not working. I can't think of names. Yeah, I'm all over the place. DC, I blame you for buying me pints when I was trying to leave. Um, yeah. So you're right. It is steeped in this kind of religious, spiritual thing, but it's also seedy, super seedy, and yep. gambling and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like Chachri going over there they can start to market it. And if they can get crossover, because here's the other issue with one Muay Thai. It's not an issue. It's not a fault in the system. It's good. But they bring in the old ties. Yeah. I remember... That's because if they brought in the like up and coming hot prospects, they'd starch everyone. By the way, by old, I mean like 25. Yeah, that's old for Thai fighters. That's old for Thai fighters. I remember I was talking to my buddy Ahmed, who's more into like pure 
Muay Thai than me. Um, you know, Ahmed, Malaysian champ, legit as fuck. Uh, but we were talking about this. And maybe it was three or four years ago. I was like, I was saying that I thought Rotang was the pound for pound number one Muay Thai fighter in the world. And then he sent me the name of like five Thais who I'd never heard of, who like are current Lumpini champions that are like 17 years older or whatever, which is what happens a lot yeah. in, in Thailand, right? Because you get these 16, 17, 18 year old guys. You get something like they're late teens and early 20s. But by the time fighter Thai fighters get to their mid to late 20s, they're hundreds yeah. of fights in. They got wear and tear. The average age to retire in Muay Thai is probably like mid-20s. Yeah. The average age to retire in MMA or boxing? Mid-30s. Mid-30s. Early 30s. You know, older or uh, higher weight classes can retire later. But lower weight classes, like late 20s, early 30s. So when you get, when Chachri can go over there and get maybe these 16, 17-year-olds, these Christian Lee, Angela Lee type people who can compete. Like once you get a 16 year old in there that puts a challenge to road tang, people are going to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. You know what I mean? When you can get the guy who's considered like a Nong O cause here's the reality. Nong O is probably the best, most decorated one Muay Thai champion right now. Yeah. Never lost in one. I don't believe. And he's a Muay Thai legend. But if they put up put him up against the current Lumpini champion at his weight class, that would be tough. Okay, That's what makes it so fucking interesting. And he's probably like 16 years old. Yeah. Oh, but Could you imagine? But he's explaining to But the, he's got a name that's like 20 syllables yeah. long and has the word porn somewhere. In yeah. It. Expl- because it's Thai, right? <laughs> he's explaining to that guy, like the, the Thai guy, that no, so I know he, like you've got a lot of reverence from him and stuff, but we need you to go out there and put it on. Yeah yeah that's, exactly that's like getting them into that mindset so it's not that like respectful fight like no we actually do want you to knock him out not take the third round off I'll tell you what let's do a little thought experiment right now can you look up uh, Nong O N-O-N-G-O space O let's see what his weight class is I think he's the one bantamweight champion if I'm not mistaken yeah, I mean, you can just click the Wikipedia. That's fine. I just want to know what he weighs. It'll say that. Say it there. By the way, Nong O is like my age. Older than me. Okay, so, right. So, okay, so 68 kilos. Or, oh, sorry, sorry, 65 kilos. Who's my weight? 145 pounds. Now, I'll look up the 145-pound Lumpini champion. Lumpini. Yeah, nice. Uh, EE. Well, it'll probably, show, it'll, it'll probably show up still. Let's take a look at the current Lumpini rankings. No, he doesn't know what you're talking about. You gotta, you gotta go up and spell it right. <laughs> not- Usually Google autocorrect, but not if you're typing in weird Thai shit. The problem is I can't see the screen. P I N E E. This ain't gonna. Yeah, that's that's it. You're you're at it. P I P I N E E. Space champion. Yeah, it might be one e. I think it's definitely one E. <laughs> I need to show this Nongo again. Okay, so can, he's can you champ. type in Lumpini rankings? Because Hunter, yeah, we, we're probably gonna have to go and find it because you know we're whitewashing all this shit. Most people ties look this. <laughs> ties are screaming. Mean, screaming. But, wow, can we really not find this? Oh my god, Google, you suck. Oh, type. Get rid of the 145 pound thing. Just type in Lumpini rankings because we've done it on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there okay, you go. okay. Ranking in Muay Thai of Lumpini. 
that's a weird way to say it, but this is this <laughs> is my website so that long are to find. transitioned into Google Translate or something. Okay, 112. See, okay, look. So can you throw that up on the main screen and then I can just talk over it? Yeah, then we get rid of that. Sure. So the 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 small division is 105 pounds. Okay, so you realize how small these guys are. Then you have a flyer weight, not light flyer, flyer. <laughs> Keep going down. <laughs> You're going down. Super flyer, bantam weight, 115. Let's go to 145. One, one more down. Tell me when I can't see it. Uh, right there. You can stop there. Okay, so Rafi Singh Patong is the current. Is that guy not white? Yeah, he looks. He or is that guy look very Thai to me? <laughs> Wait, is this guy not Thai? Wait, who is this? This guy's not. Oh, did we just find so? so this, sorry, to, I'm, I'm like freaking out right now. The champion of weatherweight. Hold on, stay there for a second, Jake. Yeah, like, which is which is I'm not over. Who is. This guy is not Thai. Okay, so there's a. This is blowing my mind. I gotta watch this guy. This is the thing. This is why Chatre needs to go to Thailand. So we know who this guy is because first of all, the website is trash. There's no hyperlinks. There's no link to fights. The website French, is trash. French Muay Thai kickboxer. Who lives in Thailand? Wow, really? Yep. Oh man, I I gotta see this guy fight Nong Oh man. Right, that's the evening taken care of. Can you click the Can you click the uh, Wikipedia? Just click that top one. I gotta find out who this guy is. So his name is Rafi Bowick. Ah, uh, yeah, of course the Sitiyot Tong will be the gym. But it's not Sitiyot Tong. It's uh something else. Anyway, okay, let's read this. Jake, you mind? Oh, I'll read it because you can't read really yeah, it. Yeah, I can't see it. Right? Sorry. So, Rafi Bowick is a French... Oh, hold on, go up a bit so I can read the bio. Uh, is a French Muay Thai kickboxer who lives in Thailand. He is the current Lumpini welterweight champion. He is the former WBC Muay Thai world super lightweight and WMC junior welterweight world champion. I'll be real with you, Jake. I did not expect this. My whole point of this conversation was that Nong Oh at 35 years old, who's a dinosaur for Thai standards is probably not able to beat a current Lumpini champion yeah. because the level there is so high for pure Muay Thai. But turns out there's a Falong world champion at welterweight. Rafi, uh, can you go back to just his, the, the page you were just on? There you go. Rafi Singh Patong is his name according to this website. He title received winning six over Simonat Sor Sarinya. By point at Lumpini Stadium. And then if you go down a little bit, and you can see all of these ties. He is the only, looks like the only non-Thai name there. There's another Nongo, which is kind of weird, number five. Okay, here's my point. Keep that there for a second. Yeah. Look at these names. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Take a look at these names. If you're listening to this podcast, I can't even approach no i'm not saying any of those 90 of these names i think if i said tried saying any of those things it sounded like it was being racist totally which is <laughs> which is the point is that the original point of this is that most of these champions these ties have been had hundreds of fights and the level of when you're competing in lumpini at that stage is, is significantly higher but but all of the people that one gets are legends they're just legends that are like in the later stage part of their career where they've already, let's be real, lost their Lumpini titles. Yeah. Because almost all of them are previous Lumpini or Rajas champions. 
that lost their titles and won them multiple times, and then now they're in the twilight of their career. Nongo, for example, is, I believe, a three-time Lumpini champion, but he lost those titles, and then he retired, and then he came back, and now he's a fucking badass again at one, right? Um, so, but I want to see this Rafi guy fight Nongo, man. I didn't know it was a French guy. No. Well, that's amazing. It's not really what you're expecting from your no, Lumpini champion, is it? Because there's only, like... You can probably count on like two or three hands how many times there's ever been a foreign champion at Lumpini. I did not know there was a current one. This is actually blowing my mind. So if you're a Muay Thai fan and you're listening to this, go check out Rafi Singh Patong. And if you're a huge fan and you're listening to this and you're like, Luke, you're a fucking idiot. I've known about this guy for a long time. You might be right. I'm a, I'm a MMA guy at heart. And I can quote esoteric MMA fights going back ages. But uh, Muay Thai, I did not know. But my point of this is, like, most of these guys, these guys look like they're about 18, 20. Yeah. The two that we're looking at on the screen right now, like, the average age, these are kids. Yeah, like they're, they're clearly... One of those is probably the 12-year-old I saw knock another one out. <laughs> it's, about, I, it's about right on the timeline. By the way, I would not want to fight these guys ever. I would run. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw a Thai name like that... I uh, always... You know when you're over in Thailand, I don't know if you've ever been, and like you'll get some pissed up like Westerner like kicking off with the ties and stuff, and you're like, mate, like set, like any one of those could have had like a hundred plus professional kickboxing fights. I'd probably shut up if I were you. I'll I'll, I'll level that one up. Yeah, you could have a lady boy trying to grab you, and you can say something <laughs> insulting, and that lady boy could probably fucking head kick you because they've been doing Muay Thai yeah, since they were like kid. eight years old. Yeah. yeah. You never know, man. You never know when you're in Thailand because it's so cultural. It's what makes it so amazing. I just think Chachri going over there is huge. Yeah. I think it's huge. I think it's going to increase the quality of Thai fighters that come across. And it might allow something like cross-promotion so that you can get Nong O fighting this Rafi guy. Yeah. The current Lumpini champion fighting the current one champion would be insane. In small gloves, in MMA gloves... In the middle of Bangkok, on like Amazon Prime, oh, could you imagine, yeah. dude? That would be fucking sick. And that Chattery, would be insane. If there's one thing Chattery's amazing at, it's like thinking of what a brilliant fight it'll be. Yes, putting it together and hyping the fight up. Like he's had me interested about fights that weren't even that good because he's done such a good job promoting them. Especially the Muay Thai, like he's yeah. really bringing. That's where he's actually trailblazing. He, right. he, yeah, uh, to the point I was convinced Liam Harrison was going to win last weekend. He got you. He got <laughs> yeah, you. He got me good there, didn't he? So, you know, I mean, like the one MMA stuff is like up and down. They had to build the scene in Singapore, in Southeast Asia. Like mm. when one first started, they would have some stars and then they would have some local guys. And there was no MMA here before that, really. There was like one gym, two gyms, like Evolve in Singapore, BJ or whatever. And so they had to build the MMA scene locally from scratch. They don't have to build the Muay Thai scene, but the Muay Thai scene doesn't have exposure outside of Thailand. So what one has done that's amazing is they started to build the cross, the grassroots stuff here, but that takes time. Yeah. Right. But the Muay Thai stuff, these are people that if you're a fan of combat sports, you should know these Thai fighters because they're the absolute tip of the spear, best in the world. And Lumpini Stadium in 1952, do you know what? kickboxing and striking looked like in 1952 in America. How dog shit it was. Boxing, yes. Kickboxing, Muay Thai, elbows, clinching, sweeps, dumps. None of it. Dog shit. It was like all traditional karate. Yeah. And I don't care what you tell me, those Thai fighters would crush 
absolutely anybody. This was like before Bruce Lee, dude. Right? Yeah. This was before like American kickboxing, anything took off. There's, there's a historical story, and I don't remember the ins and outs of it, but basically, a, like, you know, a long time ago, way, way back when, when um, you know, Japanese were seen as the cutting edge of martial arts and stuff like that, and a Muay Thai fighter went over. This is like, oh, my camera's gone, so I'm going to put it on you. This is the days of the Imperial Court, as it were. This is how long ago it was. And a Muay Thai fight guy went over, and just basically no one could beat him in the Japanese traditional styles. Like karate, judo, and stuff like that, just beat the piss out of everyone. I mean, that's what happened in America in like the 1990s and in the yeah. 2000s, like when uh, uh, Duke uh, Rick Rufus fought that Thai guy. Yeah, the you ever see that fight. video? Yep. Just leg kick the shit out of him. Rick Rufus is trying jumps. Rick Rufus is an amazing American kickboxer, right? Like legit and a yeah. legend in his own right. Duke Rufus's brother, who trains Pettis, Anthony Sergio, and teaches out of that whole Milwaukee gym, Rufus Sport. And it's hilarious because you just see the Thai go over there and just kick the shit out of his legs because in kickboxing, you're not allowed to kick the legs. Or in not, not in kickboxing, you're allowed to kick the legs. But in American-style point fighting back in those days, you were only allowed to kick over the waist, which is like karate, taekwondo style. And then so to see him just get his legs kicked out in the 90s, and you think of what these Thais have been doing since like the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, this is how long it's developed and why they're so dominant. The fact that there's such a history and an interest for combat sports in all of the world, whether it's boxing, Muay Thai, MMA, the fact that these ties, no one knows them. Yeah. And now they're getting a legitimate, along with globalization, smartphones, one championship, some, because the UFC didn't come and invest in Asian Muay Thai. You know what did? One. Yep. So look, I love the UFC. One's awesome. They're both great, but really who's cultivating that in Asia it's fucking one championship period end of story right and so it's really amazing to see them coming with one of the greatest fighting cultures to ever exist on this planet finally being exposed to mainstream people we just got to figure out the names man we gotta <laughs> the worst bit is sometimes when you're like uh, you know you meet someone Thai they ask them the name and then they're like oh but my friends call me bum bum. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what? Yeah. It can be rough. Well, that's the whole reason why they took those names is because it's more appealing to a Western audience. Yeah. That's why he's called Nong O, Sam A, Road Tang. Yeah. Pick your Pun Payak. Pick your, pick your Bokau, right? It's like some easy to say name followed yeah. by the gym name. Yep. Because that can actually train. Bokau's name is not Bokau. No. Road Tang's name is not Road Tang. These aren't their real names, right? And they put the gym name at the end out of respect. So you do need a little bit of that because it's pretty rough, hey, for Western audiences to do it. But it can still be done. And now you can see that. Yeah. Especially with Road Tang. Oh, definitely. One's done such a great job promoting him. Putting him in an MMA fight, you get that cross-promotion thing, and then it will just expand outward. And plus, once you see his fights... Yeah, well, oh, once you see him in action, you're like, oh, wait, how can I see more or less? This is amazing. Yeah, but I feel like like uh, this is not like inside information. This is publicly available information, but I'll give you a little dirt, right? Is that uh, Haggerty and Rotek didn't make weight yeah. at the last fights. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what the situation is, but the word on the street was that Rotek didn't even try to make weight. We talked about it last time yeah, on the podcast. It. So everybody in the stadium knew. Yeah. And it's a pretty obvious because Rotang was supposed to fight and he missed weight. And so did Haggerty. But the word on the street was Haggerty actually tried to make weight and his body shut down and couldn't pass hydration, couldn't get it under a certain weight. 
but the word was rotating didn't even try. <laughs> nah, not bothered. Which is a little bit problematic if you're one. Yeah, because he's your big star. Like Chartree, whoever the executive is, someone's got to be like, this was one on Amazon Prime one, right? I got to say one twice, which is kind of annoying. But after the first one, I won't have to say it anymore. But this is on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And from the executive standpoint, from the company standpoint, not having one of your largest assets not even try to make weight, that's rough, man. You don't want that. No. You can't tolerate that kind of stuff. No. And coming from one of your biggest stars, it's a it's a pretty rough... Like, it's personalities, gonna... it's dramas and everything, but it's not a, it's not a good look, especially for somebody like Rotang who's so exciting. That was that's not a good sign. No, for him specifically, because and... one Muay Thai will go on. Yeah, like they're helping Rotang, right? <laughs> More than there's a massive beast here. Rotang is a very popular piece, but he's a piece. But that and won't... to see him get a little egoistic about the weight and not even try to make weight is like, oof. Yeah, he won't trust him again in that position. Right. Like, so but then he... he's going to be low down. But he's a huge asset. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they're paying him really well. Yeah. I mean, to not make weight is, is weird. I don't know what was going on with that. But he's also trying to transition to MMA, and who knows what the what the story is. Yeah. Right? And Haggerty also didn't miss weight, or also didn't make weight. So that's another series of problems. But the future of Muay Thai is as good as it's ever been. Um, so this move for Chatri, I think, is really interesting. Uh, anyway, uh, we talked about me cornering for the one that was the last that was judging. how i got yes yeah. judging for the one that's how i got onto that uh bit but um the the work schedule was crazy we we went and i mentioned it in the last podcast we did the fights that night yep we started at 7 7 30 something like that we finished around midnight yeah then we had to go back to the hotel and wake up at like 5 30 the next morning to be able to yeah, judge yeah. all of the fights the next day but the fights are so brutal, and there were so many finishes that it was amazing. And so anyway, I was saying that I cornered DJ at the at the pool party or whatever. I was able to get that photo, which is on my Instagram. You guys can check that out. And Rich Franklin, who was more down to party, I feel like. Than <laughs> DJ was fucked up. He just fought. Yeah. He was talking about his stomach was hurting and he had bruises on his face. It was a tough fight. Yeah. He was hurt. He was, he was getting hit. He wasn't like hurt like like borderline finished or yeah. anything, but he definitely ate shots, it, yeah. a lot of them. Oh, he, was, down. he was in a fight. He was in a fight, yeah, a tough fight, yeah. Um, but I saw Rich Franklin there, and the wet T-shirt. I showed that on the the last thing, and the whole event for me was just amazing, man. So many great fights. The Penpayak knockout stood out. Everybody, especially the Muay Thai fights, because I'm not judging. Yeah, you can relax a little more. So I'm freaking out. Yeah. I'm freaking out on the side. Even at the end of the DJ Adriano fight, you know, like. As far as, from my perspective, the one executives and my bosses and everything are pretty chill. Like, yeah. as long as you follow the rules and do what you're supposed to do and you're fucking prepared and everything. But as soon as the fight was over, like, as soon as the fight finished, I was in my judge mode. And then right when the fight was over, I was like, in my head a little bit. I was like, my job is done. Not in the <laughs> I, sense that like... I can, I can relax. I didn't have to put this one. I didn't have to score this. And then yeah. I just took out my phone and like took the moment in, right? Yeah. So I, I did a outward photo of like everybody freaking out. DJ won. Like, fuck, it was crazy. Like he got knocked out with the knee and then he landed the same knee that he got knocked out with in the last fight. And then I like put it on selfie mode and I like took, I did like a 360 of like DJ doing his victory pose and then like everybody in the audience freaking out. So uh, yeah, I went from like working to like fan mode hard because I was sucked up in the energy, yeah. right? And I was like, I have to... Just see this and everything, and it was a dream come true, man. Doing shit like that is amazing. Couldn't believe I got to do something like that. And then the fact that I got to chat with everybody afterward, 
everything it's just amazing man yeah and uh man one's doing some cool shit the ufc is amazing mma is better than it's ever been so if you're a fan it's good times yeah christian lee's looked amazing angry christian lee (sighs) yeah like don't give a fuck christian lee like swearing in the the post-fight interview like this is bullshit yeah like that group man that's a scary dude yeah that's That's he ran through him christian lee like, Eddie Alvarez could barely keep his shit together. Yeah. Auk hurt him and Auk hurt him, and then, like, he toughed it out and, like, was able to, like, pin him against the cage and do a little bit. Christian Reed buzzsawed him. Yep. Like, look like he, like, big brothered him. Like, I'm going to take your lunch money type situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> shit. Take my belt, would you? Come here. Then you got uh, Angela. She's fighting. Panda again. Shangxing Nan. Panda again. That should be an interesting fight. Uh, let's pull up the next one. We, we can finish the podcast soon. I think we're just about cooked here, but I at least want to see what the next event is. Is it the KL one? I don't know if I'm going to do the overseas ones yet. I haven't heard. Events. Here we go. I would love to. So if anybody from one is listening, please slot me in all day, every day. I want to do all of them. Pet Morikot versus Tom Chai. Is that? Yeah. That's a good fight. Shit. Nice. That's a good fight. Can you click on that? Is it here? Yeah, it says Singapore. It's oh. in Singapore. What does it say? So Pet Morricot against Taiwan Chai is the main event. But it's in like three weeks. Who else do we have here? Bruno Chavez and Iraj Aziz, Aziz Poor. I don't know a lot of these guys. Oh, Tiffany oh. T.O. Podcast alum in the house against Ritu. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. So we got Ritu who's training out of Evolve and Tiffany who's training out of Matrix with uh, Major and Kai Shong who's been on the podcast. Tiff's been on the podcast. That's a good fight. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, we have uh, Sagid. He's one of the. He's the guy that's ranked in the top five there in lightweight going against Zhang Peng. I don't know this guy. The Chinese guy is fighting. Go down a little bit more. Go down. Wakamatsu who fought DJ earlier on as a, at flyweight. He's fighting Wang Shu. Uh, good fight, man. At that Tiffany Teo Ritu fight and the Taiwan Chai Pet Morikot fight, those are the juicy ones. Although it looks like they might add a few more. It looks a little short sighted. Yeah, it's on point. a Thursday as well, bizarrely. Mm. So I don't know why that is. It must be because of Amazon. But here we go. Oh, yeah, let's look at the. So uh, one on Prime 2. Xiang uh, Jingnan and Angela Lee 3. Superbon and Chingus. Oh, that's a good fight. That's a good fight. Superbon and Chingus Alazov. That is a fucking good fight. Also, Angel Lee, Xiang Jinan is a damn good fight. Mikey Musumichi Mikey. against Kleber Souza from Brazil. Stamp fighting on the card against Jihin Radzwan. Don't know her. Is that MMA? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I assume it doesn't say, actually. Martin Nguyen back. So if Martin Nguyen gets a good fight. Oh, Timothy Nastyukin is fighting again. Nastyukin! Against Halil Amir. Okay. Nice and juicy. That's a good one. Good card. That's a good one. Yeah, that's in a month. One of them is in Malaysia. One of them is in Japan, I heard. And I'm just hoping that I get sent to both. (laughs) Yeah, Japan. Dude, I I would literally do this every week. Yeah. It's so fun. It's so fun. How could you not want to do that? I mean, I don't like the working aspect of it. I'd rather be like a fan the whole time. Yeah. But I'm at least somewhat competent. Or uh, I'm at least somewhat accepting of the fact that I'm like considered by some people to be an expert in this field. 
I'm not saying that I am. Yeah, but, so, but for whatever reason, are, so that's fine. for whatever reason, some people have allowed me to be in some sort of position <laughs> where I'm deemed an authority. And the fact that I can go there and see these things live is fucking crazy. So Japan, Thailand, Malaysia, I want to do it all. It's so much fun. God, I get such a buzz when I go to those shows. Yeah. Um, stressing, stressful, stresses me out, but it's fun. All right, dude. Should we wrap this thing up? And let's call it. Yeah, let's call it. So uh, next week, I will be out of town. I'm going to Bali. Comp. Yeah, I'm going to Bali. Nice. Have you been to Bali? Yeah, I've been quite a bit. Everybody goes from here. Yep. What's your opinion on it? Yeah, it's super nice. Thailand, you, Bali. I've not been to Thailand in an age. Really? So no, no. Yeah. yeah Gotta get on so, that, bro. I am. I'm going in October. Oh, yeah. Well, they've legalized some stuff there. Yep. So... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, because everybody's always like, it's either Bali or Thailand. Those are yeah. always like the often, and KL too, but usually Bali's, from Singapore, people love like, traveling to Bali and yeah. Thailand. If, if you want to go for a surf, Bali's the best place. It's surf. consistent all yeah. year round. That's why we go. But we'll, The yeah. MMA scene is pretty good there too. They have some good MMA guys there. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're going there for the BJJ competition, so I won't be on the podcast next week. The week after that. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Jake's got some shit on. We'll see if we're going to rearrange it or adjust it or whatever. And for everybody listening, you guys can all come to my open mats. Even though I'm not here next week, uh, next weekend when we have it on Sunday, it's at 1 p.m. It's no gi. It goes until 2.30 or 3 o'clock. Everybody is welcome. Anybody in Singapore can come to the open mat. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to message me. You can. I'll respond to you. Uh, if you message me on this channel or uh, if you go to the website, stronghold.sg, you can email us through there, whatever. I'll respond to you, and you guys can come. Um, so we won't be here next week. You guys can come to the open mat, though. One of the other black belts will be running the open mat, and then we will probably hit this thing up in a couple weeks. Yep. Sounds good. Awesome. And uh, Robert Deagle ha- wants to come on the podcast. He's already been on before. You can go check that episode out with him. Otherwise, he's going to be on the podcast soon. I got Alvin on coming on the podcast soon. Alvin got a book out. Yeah, he got a book, he's got yeah, a book yeah. out, and he's working on an MMA type book like a book that you like look at when you're taking a shit or something like a bathroom book is what he told oh, me good i like those it's like i'm totally into yeah. it i've not seen an mma one of those books and i would totally get one i don't actually know if that's the context of it he, <laughs> turns he, turns he, out he was like hey yeah. i'm doing this turns out it's a you. really important novel he's trying to write yeah, yeah exactly. like, no, it's a book you read while you take a shit it's fine. i'm still working out the details so <laughs> point is any any book you can read while you're taking a shit so i'm not yeah, wrong yeah. um and uh uh maybe fuck a fuzz he came in and trained today. So the Singaporean stand-up, fuck a fuzz. I might talk to him about getting on the podcast. Anyway, some uh, some great guys coming in soon. Everybody, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Uh, subscribe, like the channel. I'm going to release more stuff. I'm going to release some clips soon. And as well as I'm trying to edit these uh, my vlog thing that I did when I was judging for one. So if you guys like that, please like, share, subscribe. Jake, the producer, thank you as always, man. You're a legend. Thank you very much. Been I fun. appreciate you. Been I fun. appreciate you doing all the hard work. This is a Stronghold Podcast, everybody. We are out. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.